Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information, go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. Good morning, Grace Life. How are you? Yeah. We're really excited to start a new series on marriage today. I'm just curious, how many people in here were able to go to the marriage conference we had a couple days ago? Wow, that's great. Lots of people. Well, you guys already know you're in for a special treat for today. We have a guest speaker, uh, Pastor Alan Holmes of Daystar Church, and he's going to come and bring the first of our marriage series sermons. So if you would please help me welcome him to the stage. Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, it's good to know some of you were here this weekend and decided to come back. I guess that's a good sign. And uh, man, I have loved being at your church, and uh, it feels so much like home for me, and uh, which is always a blessing. You know, you go to some places sometimes, and it feels so difficult to to connect and engage. And uh, man, from the moment I got here, it just felt like home, and I'm so excited about what God is doing in the life of your church and what is coming ahead of you. You know, when you go through the lobby and read a little bit about your history and talking to Jimmy over the last few years about what God's doing here, it is very unique. I was telling your staff yesterday, you know, it's easy when you're in an environment like this, it's easy to just think this is normal. It's not normal. You know, what God's doing in your church is really very, very special. It's very, very unique, and I hope you... You realize that and can cherish it. It's going to, you know, the next few years, you guys are just going to be on a very, very exciting journey together, and uh, we'll be cheering you on, and I'm so excited about it. I want to just say, you know, Jimmy's not here. He's on a trip, and I just want to say how much I appreciate him and uh, Ramona and them allowing Tina and I to come and to be with you this weekend and to serve your church, and I know that's a, you know, that's a big deal. I've been the pastor of Daystar for 16 years. And there's only a handful of people that I really let into my church, you know. Uh, that's my family, and I'm a little protective of it, right? And, and I know Jimmy is. He feels the same way about you, so it's an honor for us to be able to be here today. And, and uh, my, Tina, my wife, my Tina, my wife, Tina, uh, she's here, but I let her sleep in, so she'll be here at the next service. And uh, I, I didn't think to have a picture of her because she's going to be here most of the time, but I do have a picture of my kids. I've got three kids uh, this is Luke, Abby, and Isabella, and uh, they love their brother. He acts like he doesn't like that, but he likes it, and uh, he's their hero, and uh, they're great kids, 15, 14, and 9, and uh, so we are very, very blessed, and today we're kicking off this series about marriage, and uh, marriage, you know, the truth is marriage is challenging, and a lot of people don't know that, you know, a lot of Especially going into marriage, right, we think it's like in the movies, you know, we're just going to get married and we're just going to like skip through the house all the time. There'll be romantic music playing. I'll come home every day to rose petals on the floor. You know, it's just wonderful. I can't wait to get married. And then you get married. Uh, My mentor used to say to me all the time that love is intoxicating. Marriage will sober you up, (laughs) right? That's what we're talking about. And and, uh, but I know for some of you, you're not married. And uh, maybe marriage isn't even on the horizon. Or maybe you were married one time and you're 
you're done with that. And I just want to say that what we're going to talk about today, I think applies to all of us and it applies to every area of our life. And for Tina and I, and we'll talk a little bit about this in the message, but for Tina and I, there was a season 20 years ago, we've been married, December was 20 years, and there was a season 20 years ago when our marriage was in a mess and we need a miracle. And you know what we're going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about how to receive a miracle in your marriage. And again, if you're not married, the question is, how do I receive a miracle in whatever area of my life where I need a miracle, where I need God to, to show up, to step into this situation and to, and to help me? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 2, John chapter 2, and we're going to read a story that you've probably, if you've been in church for a little while, you've probably heard this story. It's not a new story. It's Jesus, it's his very first miracle. And you know one of the things that's interesting about this is his first miracle happens at a wedding. His first miracle happens at a wedding. And I think there's some things for us to learn that'll help us to understand how do we experience the miracle of God in our, in our marriage or in whatever area of our life where we really need God to meet us. John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, here's what it says. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. And, Jesus, and the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Well, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. So Jesus told the servant, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now... Dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. But then, when everyone's had a lot to drink, when they're too drunk to know the difference, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Canaan in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want to share four simple things that I think we need to keep in mind that we can apply to our life in order to see God step in and move in the different circumstances of our life and our, our marriage when we, when we need it. So the question is, why did Jesus perform his first miracle at a wedding? You know, there's all kinds of things he could have done, right? First, he could have raised the dead first. He could have healed the sick first. He could have walked on water first. There's all kinds of things he could have done first. Why was his first miracle at a wedding. Let me give you four reasons. Number one, because Jesus was invited to the wedding. 
Because he was invited. In verse 2 it says that Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And I think what that says to us is that we need to make sure that Jesus has been invited into the situations of our life. We need to make sure that Jesus has been invited into our marriage. And, it, and, and the thing we've got to know is we can't wait for the wine to run out and then try to send Jesus an invitation. They didn't wait until the wine was out and then send him a text. Hey, Jesus, not sure what you're doing today, but we're out of wine. And if you could get down here and help us out with that, it'd be great. You know, it's actually, you know what they did? At the highest moment of their life, you know that moment when you're engaged and you see everything through rose-colored glasses and you found the best person on the planet and you're preparing to get married, it's your day and it's going to be a big party and everyone's going to come and they're all there to celebrate you. It's the greatest moment of your life. It's really not a moment that you think we need God. Right, I mean, in those, in those great moments when everything's going fantastic, when the world is wonderful, it's not in those moments that we think to ourselves, we need God. But this couple was very wise. When everything's going great, they sent Jesus an invitation. Because then when everything was going wrong, Jesus was present. That's so important. See, sometimes people would look at a, at a person's life and you've heard their story and how God moved and did this powerful thing in their life, this miracle happened. And you find yourself wondering, why did God do that in my life? Well, I think we probably should ask the question, has God ever had an invitation? And the truth is we can't wait until the crisis. We can't wait until the wine runs out. We need to give him an invitation now so that when the crisis arrives, he's in the middle of that situation. Right? I got an invitation. You know, the truth is you don't just invite everybody to a wedding. How many of you have ever worked on a wedding list? Raise your hand. Y'all know what that's like, right? You don't just invite everybody. You don't put an ad in the paper, hey, we're having a wedding. You want to come? Come on. You don't do that. Why? Why? It's too expensive. Right? You don't want everybody to, you can't afford for everybody to come to your wedding. The truth is, you only invite special guests. Isn't that right? You invite people that you love and that you think love you. You invite people, actually it's like this, you invite people that you're willing to pay for them to attend. I mean, basically that's what you're doing, right? You invite people that you believe will show up with a gift. That's who you invite to a wedding, right? If you get an invitation to a wedding in the heart of the person who extended the invitation you are a close, special, loved 
friend, you're a special guest. Now, here's the question. Is Jesus on your guest list? Because when the stuff hits the fan and you want to turn to Jesus, man, the invitation should have gone out months ahead of time. Right? Let me give you a great example, very practically. So this week, it's been a, it's been a long week in, in some ways. So Tina, my wife, was in Wilmington. We're both from Wilmington. And uh, she went down uh, Monday. She left Monday. She was in Wilmington for four days. She came back Thursday evening. And uh, we got everything packed up Friday. We left about lunchtime, drove here. Friday night, we did the first part of the marriage conference and went to bed, got up the next morning, did the second part of the marriage conference, were with the staff till about two o'clock, went back to the hotel for a couple hours to rest, were back with the staff from 5.30 till about 10 o'clock last night, and then got up this morning. And it's just been, you know, it's been a busy week. Friday and Saturday are usually a day off. Today, this week, man, they've been full of a lot of activity. And the last night we were coming home from the our meeting with the staff, and I thought it went great. We had a great time, and we're walking to the hotel, and I just said to Tina, man, wasn't that great? Aren't they? And she just kind of looked at me funny. And I said, are you okay? She said, no, I am irritated with you. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was totally out of left field. And I said, well, we need to talk about that. So we got in the elevator, and, and we started up, we were on our way up to the room, and walking into the room, and she's explaining that Last night, as we were all talking, uh, somebody asked her a question, and she felt like as she was answering a couple of times that I had interrupted her, and one time in particular that something I said disrespected her and embarrassed her, and she was pretty fired up about it. Actually, I was a little surprised how fired up she was about it. And listen, in that moment, if Jesus is not already present, you've got a problem. Really? It's that practical. See, my response in that moment is determined by whether Jesus is on the guest list, whether the Spirit of God has already produced some patience, some kindness, some self-control, some gentleness. So in a moment when my wife is feeling vulnerable, she can open her heart and share some tough things to hear, and I can receive that and take responsibility and to do what brings life to my marriage and not death. Because the truth is, there was a time in my life, in that moment, I would have been defensive, I would have been angry, it would not have been a good night. It didn't go that way at all. Why? Because Jesus is there. And see, the whole point of this, the first point in this story is, it's because Jesus was invited that when they needed Jesus, Jesus was present. And I'm just telling you, in your marriage, you've got to invite Jesus into the center of your marriage. You can't wait until it's falling apart. You can't wait until you lose a job. You can't wait until you have kids. You can't wait until all the hard things happen in marriage. You've got to invite Jesus into your marriage Really, when everything's going great. That's the time to send an invitation. When everything's going great, don't wait 
for everything to fall apart. Here's the second thing. Is that not only was Jesus invited, but Jesus was needed. Jesus was needed. You know, when I think about my wedding, my wedding was so boring. And uh, Tina would agree. We were like the first of our friends to get married, and so we really hadn't been to many marriages at the time, and we didn't know what we were supposed to do. And so we had our wedding, and that part was fine. But you know, now, if you've been to some weddings, now after the wedding, there's like a big celebration, a party, all your friends are there, you dance, you do all this fun stuff, it's great. We, Tina and I love going to weddings. We get to go to a lot of them because of church. And uh, they're always a lot of fun. But every time we go on the way home, we go, our wedding was so boring. <laughs> we just didn't know, right? We got wet married, and then we went to this reception, and we had some good food. I ate about a pound of crab dip, and I love crab dip. And we ate some good food for about 30 minutes, and then we got in the car and left. That was it. That's terrible, isn't it? So boring. We just didn't know. But you know, in this story, they're throwing a party. They knew. In fact, in the Middle Eastern culture, you, every wedding is a great, big deal. It's like that in India, too. I go to India every year for missions work, and, and almost every time we're in India, we get to see a wedding. You know, and they're, so they're, they're throwing a giant party. You should see how the woman gets decorated in India for a, for a wedding, and they usually ride in a chariot, and they basically have their own personal parade through the city. They're doing fireworks. I mean, it's a giant celebration. And that's what's going on in this story. They're having a big celebration, a big time. Man, my daughter's getting married. I mean, this is a, this is a big, it's actually, it's actually an opportunity to family, for the family to kind of show off their daughter. That's what they're doing. And all of a sudden, they run out of wine. Which in this culture, to run out of wine, that is a crisis. They are going to be dishonored. They're going to live with shame from this for years and years and years to come. And so in this moment, they are desperate. They need a miracle. They need a miracle. Reminds me of one of my favorite quotes that says, the kingdom of God is not for the well-meaning, but for the desperate. And see, we can experience a miracle in our life when Jesus has been invited but also when jesus is needed and unfortunately for most of us in american culture the truth is until we find ourselves in a crisis we don't recognize our need for jesus but one of the beautiful things that a crisis does is it's like this flashing sign you need jesus you need jesus right and so in the crisis when that sign starts flashing, what you need to do is to turn your heart and attention to Jesus. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. What creates that kind of passionate, determined pursuit? For most of us, it's a crisis. It's something challenging. It's something that we're not sure we can, we can handle. We're a little bit over our head. And so in that moment, we turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. Well, the good thing is, 
when we draw near to him, he promises to draw near to us. Isn't that good? God's not hiding. Man, God wants to be found by you. So the first thing is Jesus was invited. The second thing was that Jesus was needed. The third reason they experienced a miracle at the wedding that day is because Jesus is able. Jesus is able. Now when you look at this story, most scholars think that these jars full of water that was used for ceremonial washing and cleansing, it all represents the Jewish religious system, the law, the old way. And they also believe that the wine, and throughout Scripture there's several places where wine represents the Holy Spirit, that the the wine represents the, the new covenant and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in all of us. And Jesus is able. See, Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross to pay for my sin and yours. Why? Because all of us were born in sin. You were born in sin, I was born in sin. You were born separated from God, I was born separated from God. You were born spiritually dead, I was born spiritually dead. But Jesus came, and this is what we just celebrated in communion. He lived a perfect life, and then he offered his perfect life as an atoning sacrifice to pay for my sin. And because the blood of Jesus has washed away my sin, the Bible says that the Spirit of God has come to live in me. The Bible says I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. And because I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is at work in me, to produce the life of God in and through me. So Jesus is able. You know, so many times, so many times, people will come to me because I'm a pastor, and they're in a crisis, and they want God to do something. They're asking me to pray for them. Is there anything you can do, pastor? And I would guess at least 75% of the time, at least 75% of the time, What they're hoping is that my magical prayer will convince God to do without them what he wants to do through them. See, the truth is, God is able. God doesn't need any of us. God can fix anything in your life without you. However, God has chosen, rather than doing it for you, He's chosen to do it through you. And not, I don't know what the percentage is. It'd be very interesting to know. But I can say clearly, most of the time, the things that people are hoping I can fix as a pastor is the mess that they created. And so when God steps into that situation, He doesn't like magically throw some marriage dust on it and fix it. You know what God wants to do? God wants to fix your circumstances by fixing you because the truth is you created that reality so he's not going to just fix it for you and leave you the way you are because if he did guess what six months from now you'll be back in my office right and so what God does is God graciously and powerfully starts working through you in order to produce the life that you've always wanted See, in my life, 20 years ago, I came home from seminary one day. I was preparing to be a pastor. I've been married five months. 
I came home one day and my wife said, I don't love you. I do not want to be married. I will never be in the ministry. And I'm going back home. Boy, we needed a miracle. But listen, when I began to pray, God didn't just magically fix our relationship mysteriously. No, I know how he fixed it. He fixed it by fixing me and by fixing Tina. And as God changed me and God changed Tina, marriage turned out to be easy. We were the problem. A lot of times people come into my office and say, well, man, our marriage is in trouble. We, our marriage has problems. I said, yeah, you're the problem. It's you. Now, God wants to fix the problem, but not without you. He wants to do it through you. Jesus is able, but he's going to do it through you. Even in this story, isn't it interesting? Jesus could have walked over to the pots, placed his hands on the pots, and just supernaturally turned that water into wine. Couldn't he? Couldn't he have done that? He could have taken the pot over to the master of ceremonies, dipped it out and said, hey, here's your wine. He could have done that, right? He refused to do that. Why? Because God, most of his miracles, he does them not for us. He does them through us. So he says to the servant, you go fill up the pot. You dip out the wine. You take it to the master of ceremonies. And Jesus performed the miracle, but he did it through human hands. I've been reading this week in the one-year Bible, and I, I was just, I was just uh, captivated by this idea that when God sent Moses to Egypt to bring Israel out, over and over again, God says to Moses, stretch out your hand. It, it's just interesting. God could have said, I'm going to stretch out my hand. Couldn't he have? Wouldn't that have been fine? God could have said, Moses, just sit back and relax. Lay on your, in your lazy boy. I'm going to stretch out my hand. God didn't do that, did he? What God did is he said, hey, Moses, we're going to do this thing, but I'm going to do it through you. So Moses, you stretch out your hand. And as Moses, trembling in fear, all the faith he could muster, he would just stretch out his hand and obey God. And God, through his servant Moses, would do what was absolutely impossible. And for some of you, maybe you feel like your marriage is impossible. Maybe there's some other situation in your life that seems impossible. And God wants to be the great I am in your life. But listen, the way he's going to bring that miracle to pass more times than not, he's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through you. So Jesus did this great miracle in the wedding because he was invited, because he was needed, and because he was able. You know, it's interesting. The Bible begins with a wedding. Right? Genesis 1 through 3, it's a wedding story. And the first miracle that Jesus does is at a wedding. And today we celebrated the communion and we talked about how Jesus said, listen, I'm not going to drink this cup again until I drink it with you. Do you know where that'll be? At a wedding. The Bible's a wedding story. Jesus came 
to make the wedding possible. And his first miracle is foreshadowing, is helping us to understand his purpose. I came to reunite, to re-wed God and man again. Isn't that good? That Jesus was invited, Jesus was needed, Jesus was able. Here's the fourth thing, and this is so encouraging to me. Jesus was willing. Jesus was willing. His mama comes to Jesus and says, Add a wine. He said, what, what do you want? That's not my problem. It's not my wedding. What do you want me to do about it? And in faith, she just says to those servants, You do what he said. And Jesus, I think, just sat there a moment. He recognized this is, a, this is an important moment in the life of this couple. He said, man, I'm going to do something. And the thing that just is so amazing to me is if I would have been at that wedding that day and they ran out of wine, I think I'd have blown it off. You know, if they would have come to me and said, hey, Alan, we're out of wine. I, well, I'll drink some water. It's no big deal. People have drunk a lot of wine already. They're not going to remember tomorrow anyway. Just break out the water. What's the big deal? Right? I mean, how many of you, if you were at a wedding and they came to you and said, we're out of wine, you would say, okay, let's get everybody together. Let's take up a collection. I'm going to make a run. I'm going to go buy wine. You wouldn't do that at a wedding. You, here's the, let's be honest. You wouldn't care enough to do that. You wouldn't. You, you certainly wouldn't do this. How many of you say, all right, let's gather together and let's pray and ask God to miraculously produce wine? You wouldn't do that. You would think in your mind, it's no big deal. You'd be saying to the groom and the bride, oh, don't worry about it. Nobody noticed. It's not a big deal. It was fine. The party was great. We had a wonderful time. That's what you would have done. It would have been so easy for Jesus to do that. 